For all you visionaries out there, persevere. Uh, Mark Pratt, thank you so much. Mark Pratt will be here on Saturday in New Orleans at the Broad Theater. There will be a premiere of uh, General Magic uh, 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 this uh, Saturday at the Broad Theater. It'll be playing for the whole week starting on May 10th. Mark Pratt, it's such a, obviously, it's such an honor and pleasure. Of course, your your influence on me has been profound through the years and certainly the work that you did uh, with General Magic. And, and I, it's, it's amazing when I say that my father law invented the iPhone. It's something that I say with such pride and uh, uh, and, and it's something that I, I just feel amazingly connected with. And so again, Mark Pratt, who's the CEO of General Magic. More information about General Magic can be found at generalmagicthemovie.com. The General Magic will be here for the week. It's an amazing documentary. Please go and see it. Mark Pratt uh, will be uh, there along with uh, his daughter, Liana Elliott, who's the co-founder here of WHIV, as she has a small cameo appearance in the movie as well. Mark, I could talk to you for hours. We have to go. Uh, any last words? The last word is that my daughter, Liana, that, was, that, that you just mentioned, was the very first millennial. She was index 0001 <laughs> to ever use a smartphone of her generation because she was doing, she was doing demos and beta testing you know, as, a, as a little kid. Uh, uh, and uh, so she was definitely the first millennial in the history of millennials, to ever, ever use a smartphone. And that's your, that's, that's your wife, Mark Allen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. Mark. We will see okay. you this weekend. Please, everybody, go and see Mark Peratt's uh, movie, General Magic. More information, generalmagicthemovie.com, playing at the uh, Broad Theater. Thank you so much, Mark. We'll see you this weekend. Okay. See you but, this weekend. Bye-bye. 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 And thank you all for uh, tuning in. Uh, WHIV Resistance Radio starts right now. When machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism and militarism are incapable of being conquered. George Bush doesn't care about black people. They have a Black History Month, but we don't have a White History Month. Well, all we've ever been taught is white history. If it was not for the love and respect shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough. And I'm too disrespectful of them. But now, I know I'm simply a strong black woman. We're in a time where corporations are treated like people and people are treated like things. 
They promote legislation that attacks voting rights, the poor, LGBT citizens, the immigrant community, and civil rights that are lewd, mean-spirited, and fundamentally contrary to what our democracy is supposed to be about. What is bad is not what they are doing. What would be bad is for us not to fight back. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LPFM in New Orleans. We are proudly streaming live on 1230 AM WBOK. You are listening to Resistance Radio. We are having a problem with our FM transmission right now. Uh, we've been working on it through the weekend, but we are streaming live. And we're very grateful to Mr. Bob Dunn, who's our radio engineer, to help us get back on uh, the FM uh, modulating devices type thingies, whatever that all physics of radio is i actually don't know but that being said i'm mark calendary uh with me as always looking debonair uh after his his vacation his well-earned vacation uh very tan uh <laughs> <laughs> looking very tan <laughs> is my very close friend uh and uh and uh co-host uh, kenny francis uh, one of the founders of Indivisible New Orleans and just a generally badass person <laughs> and clearly one of the smartest people. But without question, nice one of the smartest people in politics that I know, except for the person sitting in the room right next to us, who's definitely a lot smarter in politics than the <laughs> both of you and I put together. <laughs> um, I'm excited to be back. It was a great little vacation I got. Um, I was did you Port- get some sun? I did. I was in Puerto <laughs> I Rico. I can tell. Um, Puerto Rico is beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful... Beautiful place, beautiful island with very, very kind people, um, amazing food. Um, it is, I think, you know, the thing I have to say about Puerto Rico is I used to live in D.C. for some time after college. And um, people in D.C. always complain, even the license plates say like taxation without representation because D.C. is an estate in D.C. They, and they don't really get, they don't get a representation. They don't, they don't yeah, they don't, they're not able to do um, things themselves. But Man, I would be if I was from Puerto Rico, I'd be so angry. Like those people pay taxes and get nothing. Yeah. And when Hurricane Maria hit last year and the island a lot lots of parts of the island were devastated and then Trump and the federal government decided to just not respond, I I could not I could not imagine the anger that I would feel that like they all had to pay taxes like last month in April on April 15th, their taxes, like imagine this, their taxes were due on April 15th, right? Like everybody else's and the IRS is coming after anyone who doesn't submit. And there are people there who have gotten no response, no response. Think about this. We are more concerned about what's happening in Venezuela right now. Yeah. And I mean, think about that. Then we are, and it's it's not even like we're trying to do the right thing in Venezuela. No, no, no. We're just trying to steal their oil. Like like we're over there. Ooh, how can we get a cut of the oil over here? Right. (laughs) But like, I, yeah, I mean the people of Puerto Rico are amazing and the, the, and seeing how like resilient those people have been and how they've like started to rebuild the island themselves and how they've just sort of like helped each other. Um, the people of Puerto Rico are amazing and it, it is an utter travesty. Yeah. Those people are tax paying citizens of the United States of America and we just ignore them. Perhaps, you know, one of all the shocking things that happened, of course, all the mortality, seeing the president throw those ridiculous, those big, soft, they were beautiful paper towels, you know, who knew that uh, there was big, beautiful water between the United States and Puerto Rico, I mean, all the dumb things that he said. But the most idiotic thing that happened was that, did you know that you can't 
there was all the countries nearby Puerto Rico that were trying to offer help, but there's laws yeah. against non-U.S. ships mm-hmm. approaching the ports, yeah. especially to unload. So they weren't. They so weren't even. They couldn't even get help. They from couldn't somebody even get help. Else. We wouldn't do anything about it. We weren't get help from someone else. It was it's, that was the part that pissed me off. The mo- and there's absurd. a law for that, and I forget what it's the absurd. Name. And then, I think the only thing, and I know we have a lot to talk about today, so I'm not going to continue going yes. on it. But the last thing I'll say is that pretty much every single year a bill is is introduced to make Puerto Rico state and it is long 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 past time oh, needs to that we states. make that happen yes. and like if we get a democrat in the house in 2020 there's absolutely no excuse to do no, this like Puerto Rico needs to become the f- the 51st state and have DC. all the, all the same rights as everybody else does and with yeah. re- protections cuz they don't it's absurd that they pay taxes and we treat them the way they do nah, and I of course agree. guess what it's an island full of brown people <laughs> i wonder why we treat them that way that being said, uh, it is a ple- well. Thank you for uh, uh, for that update. We I'd love to, to talk obviously more about that. Um, and uh, if you want to do a Puerto Rico show, yeah, I actually have yeah. a. I, I know some folks that have actually been trying to get on air. Uh, but we have an amazing guest here, and we're going to bring her on in a second. We have Councilwoman Cindy Wynn, who uh, represents uh, uh, District E uh, in New Orleans. But before we bring uh, Councilwoman Wynn in, I just wanted to talk to a board member of. The WHIV and also a host of NOLA Matters at 5 o'clock on Friday, uh, David Rostin, as uh, we're very quickly going to just talk about a program that WHIV is actually going to be doing uh, this weekend uh, called the Public Health Film Festival of New Orleans. So, Dave, uh, quickly just give us a breakdown of F now. Yeah, so Public Health Film Festival of New Orleans is a collaboration between 102.3 WHIV Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine and the Southern Center for Health Equity. Uh, We are trying to use innovative messaging to achieve health equity. Um, So we have a variety of films, 14 films that range in topics from reproductive justice to uh, institutional racism, from gun violence in America to HIV in the South, uh, international health and indigenous injustice um, and more. Uh, it's really packed with amazing films. It's incredible that we've done this so quickly. Um, this vision is a shared vision and we're trying to get people together from different backgrounds in one room to inform, to become informed around these t- different topics and uh, take steps to mobilize and bring communities together to build around uh, all these efforts. So uh, it's very exciting. So uh, the Public Health Film Festival of New Orleans that we have shortened to FNO uh, it takes place uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday mm-hmm. uh, at the uh, Tidewater Building uh, on Canal Street. So that's 1440 Canal Street. Uh, more information can be found at f-no.org. All films are free. Everything is free with the uh, with the FNO Film Festival because we did want to make this a uh, uh, these films uh, accessible. Uh, accessible, thank you, uh, to all individuals. But probably the thing that we probably need to talk about the most is the after each film, uh, we are having paneled uh, discussions with local experts. Uh, we have two DJs on WHIV, uh, Portia from Conscious Roots, uh, LLC. Uh, her hey, show is Tuesday at 4 o'clock. We'll be uh, hosting one panel. Uh, and uh, in fact, one of the movies that Dave actually had something to do with, The Skin You're In, which was made by the Dean of the School of Public Health. Uh, Malaysia Walker, uh, who uh, has a, a show on Fridays at 8 o'clock called Hero see us uh and malaysia transgendered uh, female and uh, works in the hiv space and so she'll be 
doing one of the panels of HIV. Of course, uh, Dave Rossin and I did an HIV movie about U equals U, uh, undetectable equals uh, untransmittable. So that movie will be shown. So there's a lot of really amazing movies. Um, and probably the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is uh, a, a panel discussion and movie about the Ebola epidemic mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, called 93 Days, which is the only feature length movie uh, fiction it's quote quote unquote fiction movie but it's based on the true story of Dr. Adora Cooley that we've had here in uh, on WHIV and she's the Nigerian young physician that single-handedly stopped the Ebola epidemic from spreading through Nigeria and then the other panel and the other discussions are going to be the indigenous uh, uh, panels as well we have several movies talking about the Bayou uh, bridge pipeline including uh, water protectors that'll be here and we also have a movie called Ama, which is uh, about forced, listen to this, y'all, forced sterilization (laughs) of Native women in the 50s and the 60s. It was a government program to forcibly sterilize women after birth. They would would do... the uh, 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 fallopian t- I can't think of I'm, I don't know why my my mind is uh, but anyway they would do forced sterilization of women after they uh, after they gave birth to a child uh, and uh, without of course without any consent uh, whatsoever that's horrible yeah it's uh, and so that's that movie is called Ama and we have uh, uh, one of the women in that movie who will be coming out and joining us yeah she's uh, flying out well. from South Dakota for this yeah and um, that's gonna be a very powerful block you know um, and a very important block and I'm glad that we have that for our first annual and something that hopefully we can continue for years to come have that topic area right and i i want to give credit to dave rostin here for a lot of things and the amazing hard work that he's done but he you know when we came up with the idea of f no the um the acronym for f no it was really we were taking public health and film festival and shortening it to an f but then dave also made me realize that we want to go to f from f no to F yes. We want people to get riled up uh, with the atrocities that they're going to see uh, either at the Bayou Bridge or with some of the HIV stuff that we're showing, uh, some of the uh, some of the other films, uh, some of the veteran films that we're showing, the atrocities of war and mental health and trauma when people come home. We want to go from F no to, to F yes. Yeah, these are films that are going to inspire a lot of people to you know get together and hopefully do something about it after each of these panels we have calls to action that are part of the panels we want people to take what's you know portrayed in these films and and discuss and and learn and also go forth so um yeah we can't wait again that's um on may 10th 11th and 12th at 1440 canal street it is free um, if you want to get a ticket, it's probably best to reserve one online at f-no.org and then click tickets. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hope to see you there. And, uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Dave. We'll see you this Thank weekend. you so much. We will definitely see you this weekend. We're so excited about uh, what's going to be happening uh, uh, this weekend with with the uh, Public Health Film Festival. It's our first first annual film festival. So with that, it is really an honor and pleasure to uh, to introduce uh, somebody whose career I've been following for some time, uh, and uh, and somebody who we've been eager to uh, to interview, uh, and that of course is uh, Councilwoman Cindy Wynn, uh, who represents the uh, District E uh, of New Orleans, which. Just for folks to give context, because I don't think people just like know the different districts. District E is 
um, the majority of New Orleans East and the Lower Ninth Ward. Thanks for joining us, Councilwoman. No, thank you for having me. It wasn't hard getting me onto the show, right? No. no. Okay, just want to make sure that we were accessible. You're accessible. Yes, yes. Because I'm very big on that. Your your staff was was very timely, and they were very accessible, and it it was easy to get in touch with y'all. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, Thanks for joining us. And so we've been doing sort of a series, which you might have heard from some of your colleagues. We've been doing sort of a series um, of interviews with our local government members. With We started with the Mayor Cantrell. Mm -hmm. Um, We had Jason Wynn. On okay. um, recently, we had Joe Jerusa on, oh, good. and 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 um, Councilwoman um, Palmer has been on a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, we have a couple more to go, and so we're excited to have you on. And mainly, part of it is just to talk about sort of like your backgrounds, your district, your priorities, and then talking about some like key issues of th- and this specifically. There's a bunch of things happening right now in council that yeah. I would love to get your thoughts on. Um, I want to start first by just asking you to talk about like who who are you? Because uh, I think. Particularly if you don't live out in the, I know the East knows you. The East knows you well. But if you I don't live in the so. East, um, you know, I think for a lot of folks, unfortunately, the East and the Lower Ninth Ward, we're going to talk about this a bit, is sort of like a forgotten place in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and so it wouldn't be surprising if most people are like, wait, where's, where's, where's District E? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Um, so, I just made actually made forty nine on Saturday, so happy yeah. Birthday. All right. happy, happy, happy birthday! birthday. Yeah, all so, right. um, Yay! So Gen Xers all the way. I just made fifty one last week. Oh, really? So yeah. Taurus, of course. Um, Aries, that's but funny. came over to the United States when I was five years old. So I'm Vietnamese. Um, left New Orleans for a minute or two. Uh, New Orleans yeah. girl always comes back, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. So I came back about a little bit twenty years ago, and now I have. Six kids. I have a That's daughter. A lot of kids. With <laughs> what I call buku of children. That's a lot of yes. buku children. Buku you're, of ne- children. you're never going to be done. <laughs> yes, I will. I just so my oldest daughter just got married. Serena's congratulations. Thank you. All right. How old's the youngest? My youngest are triplet sons that are making ten in June. Oh my god! You have so much time to go. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, <laughs> would you stop? Yeah. No, don't mind him. As the childless person, I'm like, oh my god! You're the so only child. I am an only child, and I don't plan yes. on having children. So I'm like, oh my god, that's really? so much time. You, you have, have to come over to my house, and you, you know, I'm going to take you up on that offer. I'm serious. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 so Serena moved out. She bought a house, and then I have a 20 year old, and I have a 15 year old daughter. So Alexis is in college, and Shauna's in is at Ben as a freshman, and the triplets are fourth grade at Lake Forest Charter. You so, have a basketball team. Yeah, so we're a very busy household. <laughs> But I have amazing family support. Um, so, like, right before I – so I was just telling Kenny that I just finished Walk and Talk. So every Monday at 5 o'clock, I walk and talk at Joe Brown Park. And it's one way of keeping myself in shape but also motivating others in my community about staying in shape because we talk about it. And, you know, if we have poor eating habits, and yeah. many of us need that extra encouragement. So I hope that with me, with my schedule – and with the number of kids I have, I'm still taking care of myself. So hopefully yeah. that would motivate and empower others to say, hey, if Cindy can do it, I shouldn't be complaining. You're literally walking the walk. Exactly. Yeah. And so every That's Monday a great idea. at 5. That's a really so we've idea. been doing it for about yeah. two months now. So I've been very glad that, that we've been very faithful to our schedule. Yeah. And so Monica does a great job in making sure that she doesn't schedule anything for me because she also knows that at 5 o'clock it's also 
my time to to take care of my body. Yeah. Because uh, I start as early as six in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And I want to say again, I appreciate you hustling over from Joe oh, Crown no. Park to make it here. I know because when I, I, I tell Monica, I was like, wait, you know that I don't finish my walk and talk until 545 and I'm going to have to, you know, You're gonna have to hustle. Eat, yeah. hustle to get yeah. here. And I hate being late. Yeah. And so but if I'm going to be late, at least you know that I will be late. I, 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 I appreciate you hustling yeah. over. And they did tell us. They were like, yeah. she's going to be there right at six. I was like, all yeah. right, we're good. Good. And so just a little bit more about me. So I have a bachelor in social work. Got my BA uh, from Lawrence College in Dubuque, Iowa. That's where I graduated from. And then I have my master in organizational management. Started a nonprofit. Hold on, that's a thing. Organizational management. management. Wow, that yeah, is yeah, that like, is yeah. <laughs> it's hard so, for me to. <laughs> let me tell you, it was actually either that or my MBA. And so um, I wanted to go into administration, and so I knew that I recognized that you got to be organized mm-hmm. to really function efficiently, and I've always been that way. So I started my own nonprofit organization about 20 years ago called Viet, V-I-E-T. I'm no longer with Viet uh, because when I campaign, I promised the district that um, when I win the seat, I would not work two jobs. I yeah. would be 100% committed to the district. And just like you say, Kenny, we're the largest district in New Orleans. And so there's no way. And then with the number of problems we have, I wanted to make sure that I have that the district have my 100% divided attention. Yeah. So, um, so I'm no longer with VIT, but still support the organization greatly because I feel like they do amazing work. Not and you just, served 20 years as the executive director. Yes. And what, what what is the mission of VIT? So, mission of VIT is that we God, you know what? I haven't been there for a while. Not complete forgot. You know how no, you, you don't have to tell me the so the basically quote to, it's, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a center that. Uh, creates um, different programs for uh, the community uh, where there's senior centers, there's senior services, there's after-school programs, summer program, there's financial literacy educations, domestic violence. It's kind of like a resource center um, in the heart of the Vietnamese community. I started VID because when I came back to New Orleans, I saw that the Vietnamese community was still very disconnected from the, from the general public. Um, and I've always been taught and, you know, with me traveling in many different, uh, states, I was like, well, why are we so isolated? We need to kind of combine with other, right. And share our culture. So that way we could grow as a community. And that's, that's really the main reason why I started VIA was kind of find a foundation where people can come together and say, Hey, you look kind of different. How can I learn about you? Yeah. Or, Hey, you look kind of different, but I think that we have the same problem. How can we work together and solve it and, and to allow our children to be able to interact together? Yeah. So, yeah. So it was a very minute gesture of saying, you know, everybody should be able to have a place to hang out. Right. No matter what background you come from. Thanks, so. thanks. I want to go back a little bit um, to talk about your district a little bit. Yeah. Um, before you do that, can I just yeah. say one quick thing? I just want to say that I just think it's great that we have, you know, between uh, Mayor Cantrell and, and Councilwoman uh, Wynn, that we're having city council members that are coming out from community community yeah. organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to yeah. just yeah. kind Absolutely. of, I wanted Absolutely. to take note that community yeah. organizers that, that then go on to uh, serve on the city council and then, of course, 
serve as the mayor, I just think is is just great, and I think it's really reflective of the uh, advocacy or the uh, uh, the spirit that we have here in New Orleans. Not to mention women leading their communities. Well, uh, that obviously, yes, and especially women of color. Yeah, if I could just chime in on that note, um, as you know, in my district, it's eighty percent African American. Mm -hmm. Um, I have about fifteen percent. 15% 15% Vietnamese American and I think 5% Caucasian and, and Hispanic. And I believe that if I wasn't involved in neighborhood that don't look like me, if I didn't cross over the line, I don't think I would have been able to uh, win the seat at all. Yeah. Uh, I really believe, and I, and I, for those that are thinking about running, you know, it's really, you want to get to know the community I got to know the community. So, you know, this was my second run. I'm sure you guys know that or not. When my triplets was about six months old, I actually ran for office for wow. the first time. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, wow. Yeah. But but it's it taught impressive. me a lot. But then I but I also recognized that I could still be involved in serving my community. And so I started working in different neighborhoods and just really enjoyed, got to know so many people. And then the concept of running kind of came up at the very last minute. But I've always enjoyed serving, you know, and, and I it comes really natural for me. My husband thinks I something is wrong with me. <laughs> well, I think and it was the second time that I think was, the thing was that's wrong. Yeah. I think right. that's wrong is you're committed to your community. Yeah, right. yeah, no, yeah. yeah. And with the second one it was a it was a win win. That's right. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, don't win, laugh at him. Win. Don't laugh like, at him. He's just throwing out all catches. Don't laugh at him. Don't, he on. does this all the time. Really? Does he? Don't laugh at him. Come on. It was don't pay a him win, any win. mind. If you're listening, <laughs> we, you know what? That was actually my slogan. Win, win, win. That's right. Win, win, win. Win, win. Leona told me that. Anyone who's a long time anyone who's a long time listener of our show, you know better than to laugh at that. Don't laugh. It was a win, win. Anyway, Kenny, go ahead. I want to talk about. I want to talk about your district because and something that you realize very quickly about us so we speak very plainly here and mm-hmm. to speak very plainly about your district is like you said it is the largest district in the city which and to be super frank about it it's the most forgotten district yes. in the city you don't hear about the east you don't hear about the lower night except for any negative things yeah. and another frank reality is that your district was hit the hardest by hurricane katrina yeah. and has been largely forgotten in the yeah. recovery efforts um to be the councilwoman from the East and the Lower Nine is a gargantuan task, to put it oh very gosh. simply, yeah. because your needs are many. Um, I I have a very brief, um, some history with the East. I, I worked out in the East. Mm-hmm. I was a teacher at Schaumburg Elementary. I was actually there when I got hit by the tornado. And before I took that job out at Schaumburg, I had never even been to the East, uh-huh. and I had lived here for almost six years before I started teaching over there and it constantly befuddled me just like based things like there was like one grocery store for people Mm -hmm. to go to and like if you could get a ride to the grocery store great if you couldn't you were in basically a food desert and just think about all the things that the east doesn't have Mm -hmm. um so this is my first question to you is like in thinking about your district with all that you have to bite off in terms of like improvements like infrastructure groceries you even need more schools out there like where do you begin so yeah there's so many areas and what we've done so you guys i don't know if you guys know but tomorrow marks my 365 days in office right it's, it's been a year right and yeah. so i have congratulations been doing, um a lot of evaluations and assessment um as an 
I guess with a degree in organizational management, that's just kind of part of how you operate. And so when I got in, it was extremely overwhelming, Kenny. And you're right. It was just like so many areas to cover, to touch. And what we did was we touched all those areas, kind of fully understand how to vet it through, understand the whole issues behind it from dumping, from tires, from car being burnt, from infrastructure, from the lack of economic development, from trash, all sorts. And uh, But I think a lot of the trash dumping exists in the entire city of New Orleans. So we're not the only district that's facing this challenge. But so, so what I have done, and we're actually going to be launching, this is part of my strategy of how to address this, is I, we're launching tonight, it's called a web series called District E is on the Move. It is through our government Cox Cable channel, and we wanted to highlight, while we have those challenges, but we still have beautiful neighborhoods that have rebuilt, right? We may lack some of the anonymity, but we have gorgeous homes. You're not on top of each other. Yeah. You know, when you talk, the entire world doesn't have to find out. You know, your kids could have a playground or a play space to play in the back. We have beautiful schools. We actually have, what, Lake Forest Charter. Lake Forest is up there. Fantasy Williams. The Schaumburg just moved, moved back. Sci Academy. We have uh, Collegiate Academy by the old Livingston. We have the uh, Sherwood, which is now Einstein Charter. We have private school out there. So we have... We have idea coming out there too. Yes, ideas coming out, and then we also have Living School is going to be opening, yeah. which I've already visited and I love Stephen. it. Stephen's a good friend. Yeah, of mine. okay, good. I've, I, I love his concept. I was like, I'm going to hang out here, you know, when I need a place to hide. This is where I'm going to be at. <laughs> it's just a very cool learning environment. So we're having a lot of uh, uh, service that are unique uh, for uh, population to learn. And so, and we have so much to offer. So my desire, my hope is that the web series District E is on the move. It's going to help educate people because people didn't even know that yeah. we have seven to nine homemade lake neighborhood. Yeah. So man-made. Right. Yeah. And people were just amazed. They were like, yeah. well, I didn't even know this is I, in the- I actually didn't even know that Joe Brown even had a a lake there yes. and, until and free canoeing yeah no i know that we oh, we, we went cano- we it's went free can- canoeing we went, every i didn't know that every right. i didn't know that's a right no, now no we went canoeing on on halloween night when liana yeah. was still the ceo of uh when she was temporary ceo for nord sea for the nord we actually went out there and canoed on halloween yeah. and it was the coolest thing ever i didn't even, I didn't at, even night? Know yeah. Yeah. at night at night yeah the, you know there's alligator in there well, I know it was it was it was a it was a Nord function. Okay. Yeah, there was like all so, the so folks you, that they were cleared out. They cleared out the they, alligators yeah. for that. <laughs> so the alligator behaved. The alligator behaved, but yeah. there was there was a swamp no. there was a swamp monster yeah. that uh, the canoe that was in front of us. The girl got so scared when the you know the the, the reveal happened. Somebody jumped out to scare mm. them. That the uh, it was funny. The it, it it didn't end up well, but it ended up fine for everybody. But the fact that there was a lake there and all that stuff yeah. is really so, amazing. Yeah. Natural so, beauty. Out there. So the video serves as an engine for us to attract people that don't know and educate them. But then also it's going to be an engine for us to market many of our commercial area that is very viable for development. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things that we haven't been able to do well as a district is that we don't people don't know what we have. And I really believe that the key to anything happening is education and information. 
So I think the web series one. The second thing is that I am actually going to Vegas on May 18th to the Recon Conference, um, and it's a it's basically it's a retail conference where we go and pitch and market our district. And I went last year when I first got in office, wasn't really prepared, but wanted to go and just to kind of get the feel of it. Got the feel of it, came back and started working to plan for this trip that we'll be taking in two weeks. So Ken Hardy, who's my economic liaison, has been working really hard to put together my schedule where I believe between me and him, we're going to be hitting about 25 retailers in two days. Amazing. So aggressively... Marketing the district is is what we're doing to help bring resources. And then when it comes to um, city government, we're working very closely with many of our city government departments. We have great support from Sanitation, Park and Parkway, DPW. Believe it or not, we do have a positive relationship with Sewage and Water Board. When sure. People call. She said, believe <laughs> it or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm serious, you know, because uh, people think that, you know, they're bad, but I don't think so. No, no, Intergy, no. So we, so with me being in, with a degree in social worker, I believe it's relationship. You sure. know, if I piss them off, they're not going to do nothing. Right. So we believe in working relationship, understanding where they're coming from. And then not only that, but giving them time to address it. And and I do a Facebook Live every Sunday at 7. And so people can tell me their issue. And I think many, I think what I'm hearing is that they did not have an avenue to express their concern. They didn't know who to talk to. And so since we've been in office, we've made sure that we were accessible from Facebook Live Every week on Sunday at 7 p.m. to coffee and conversation on the third Saturday of each month to barbershop talk where I go to a different barbershop on the second Saturday of the month. Uh, we do text alert to let people know what's going on in the district. We have a monthly e-newsletter that we send out to update people. We just launched um, um, a walk and talk, and I do canoeing once a month to promote family outing because district E is where family comes first. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. I, and I want to, I want to share something with you that it's in my preparation for this show. I, I reached out to a friend of mine who I used to teach with when I was at Schomburg, who is one of your constituents. And I asked her, you know, what, what has been your experience with councilman Wynn since she's taken over? How has the last year felt for you? Has it felt any different? And she said um, something that I think that you would feel very proud of that. She said, you know, whether or not I agree or disagree with her on whatever the specific issue is, I know where to find her. I know that I can mm. I can reach out to her people and I'll get a response and it will be quick and it will be real. And if I need to talk to her, I can talk to her. And to be frank, that's not something people could say about your predecessor. And yeah. I think that it is you have very clearly set out a goal of at the very least, you're not running. People yeah. know where to find you yeah. and they, they know that you're going to engage with them. And... And it, and it shows, and I think and I think you've very much succeeded on that. I appreciate that comment. We're also, in honor of our 365 days, we are we've already put out an evaluation, asking people to evaluate me and my team. Give us your thoughts. You know, like how did we do? You know, where are some of the areas that we need to improve on? And I guess as a background in running organization, I'm always very strategically thinking, where should I move my soldiers? Where should I move my staff to? And, you know, where do we need to focus on? And so I want to encourage um, people to complete our evaluation. It's on my Facebook page. The link is on there. If not, you could call our office at 504-658-1050. We'll be happy to 
email you a copy of our evaluation. All we ask is that if you express your opinion, that we need to know who you are. Sure. Right. So in that way, yes, we can so, reach out so and we could up. Yeah. follow up because I plan to follow up with everybody that's and I'm hoping to get a thousand evaluation. And I want to make sure if, if there is a disconnect, I want to connect them. Sure. Yeah, uh, that's that's amazing. I think like Kenny just said, I think it's really remarkable to see how uh, out in the community uh, mm-hmm. you are. And so uh, many kudos uh, to you for that. If you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Allendary. That's Kenny Francis. It's really a tremendous honor to have a uh, city mm-hmm. council member, uh, Cindy Wynn, uh, council, uh, council person for uh, uh, District E, which is New Orleans East. Now, you were talking about, hang on, you were talking about the uh, 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 um, the city uh, district E on the move, mm-hmm. and so that prompted a, a, a question that I wanted to ask you, and that's really kind of looking at the workers in New Orleans East, and, and mainly focusing on transportation issues mm-hmm. for uh, issues where uh, workers who work in New Orleans but live out in District E, transportation is a tremendous issue, and I'm sure that this is something that you've spent the last 364 days dealing yep. with. Uh, so maybe you could tell yeah. us uh, some of your kind of observations and, sure. and where the breakdown has happened, and kind of where we can move forward to kind of help create a connect where there's a disconnect so i also serve as a member on the transportation committee as well with uh, councilman uh, palmer uh, serving as chair so two weeks ago i actually caught the bus for the first time so i felt that serving on the committee and without using it and not really understanding it it'll be hard for me to uh produce or uh, you know look at legislation or approve policy sure so I block out morning, which I am planning to do it every two months to really fully understand taking the bus one time is just not enough. What I saw the first time I went was, of course, there's a lot of delays um, for individuals to leave from the east to go downtown. It took us, because we took the longer route, it took us like over an hour. Now, we could have taken the express bus. But the express bus, there's no, there's no such thing as express bus. I call it the express bus because it leaves from Bullard to Morrison. It takes in a hit onto the I-10 um, to the high rise. But it gets stuck there just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. <laughs> so, just like everybody else. So, yeah, so of course, my thought is, like, well, why don't we have a bus that just go from the east straight downtown without any interruption, like an HOV lane for them. So sure. that way, I think it will also motivate more people to catch the bus so we could kind of help. Uh, reduce pollution in the environment. Sure. Less people driving. So just a thought. And also um, affordable housing, right? As hard as it gets harder and harder to To afford to live in the city center, we're going to have to figure out how to have reliable public transportation to get people from further out in. And to the point you're making, can you, this is actually a question that I had when we talked about um, transportation a couple weeks ago. Can you actually make a round trip trip from like say Mishu to the quarter and back on public transportation? I believe you can, but it's going to probably take about four to six hours. <sighs> right. So, and, and you just said something really fascinating. Is it possible to have an HOV lane? I think so. I mean, I, what, I what really, do you need to do to do something I think, like I that? I think so. I think we just need, we need to get the, ex, the transportation expert, DOTD, at the table to get leaders to think kind of out of the box. You know, Houston does it all the time. You know, you see that happening. Sure, and all through California. Exactly. We, we Many see other states well. does it. Yes. And so I think I think it's worth a while to look at it. I think it's also worth a while for us to look at the high rise as as investment in, in infrastructure. 
The high rise is the oldest bridge and the, I think the tallest bridge. Uh, so and it, the last it needs time, to be worked yeah, on, huh? yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm terrified every single time I go across yeah, it. Correct. Every time. No, I get it. I do too. You know, but I, you know, I yeah, got it. You, 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 you live to. there, you right. exactly. So I think I think the conversation about looking at an express lane, an HOV lane, is is really possible. I think it's just that a matter of us doing it. We made some of our street to have bike lanes, right? So why won't we make streets for people to get to work? I, I think that would be makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it would you be know. remarkable. And just like Kenny said, as people are being pushed out of New Orleans uh, mm-hmm. and maybe are finding more affordable housing in New Orleans yeah. East, having a a transportation where people are going to be able to work downtown. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, uh, that would just be ideal. Mm-hmm. So, is, would something like that require investments, or oh, yeah. how does that? We're probably gonna have to look at some investment. Uh, def- we even talked about a hu- uh, kind of like a bus hub where bus can you could transfer. So, I want to have like a little hub off of Reed. Um, I think that would help bring in and revitalize that area, particularly the fact that we have the hospital there, we have Joe Brown Park, then we have the library. We can make it a walkable area, sure. right? So, uh, but other thing that I've noticed when I took the bus was the fact that, that um, when you get on the bus, if you don't normally catch the bus, you could cause delay because you're having to ask questions. So, you know, I had to ask questions, and then so there was a long line. And so I kind of felt bad. Like, to me, it's like, oh, my God, just I'll get in. And so that way the bus can continue because I felt like we were already behind schedule already. Uh, so definitely look at how can we have a more efficient, updated technology of the like an app this, or something. Exactly. Why every you know we we should be able to do that just to kind of speed up, um, the uh, avoid delays for the people. Um, other things I've noticed is, um, of course, there's certain bus that was com- extremely full, like the North Broad bus. I didn't realize how packed and 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 another thing I didn't realize how many people use the bus and so i was talking to people and i'm like sir why you use the bus well this is how i get around this is my life and so it was just amazing as a person that drives all the time you know just didn't think that people do depend on public transportation to get around and the lack that we have in the city sort of feeds all the things we're talking about Mm Since you brought it up, I, I think it's a nice segue to talk about affordable housing, mm-hmm. particularly where there's a vote coming up next week where the council, you guys are going to be voting on the regulations for short-term rentals. Yes. And huh. for, for for folks that may not be, inter- be not be familiar <laughs> with what's... I heard a there. <laughs> for folks that, who may not be familiar with what's being proposed, I'm going to very briefly say sort of like what has been recommended, and then I would love, obviously... I don't even how, know what's being recommended. We're still working. You know that. Well, from what the most... So I would say the most... Um, Recent ones that I could find of what's been, what was recommended by the City Planning Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not very often you have a sitting council person in front of you right before a vote like this. So yeah. I would love to get your thoughts. Uh, so from what the most recent that we could find, the city the City Planning Commission recommendations included um, in putting into the ordinance having a mandatory homestead exemption in order to, to get a short term rental mm-hmm. permit in residential neighborhoods, meaning that short term rentals in most neighborhoods would have to be owner occupied. And the owner would be able to rent out rooms in their home or like the other half of the double stuff like that. The second thing that was recommended was to cap the number of commercial short term rentals in apartment buildings um, and 
commercial short-term rentals are ones in which the owner does not have to be president. And the planning commission said that only 25% of a building should be used as a short-term rental with the, with additional short-term rentals being allowed if they're tied to the, to tied to the creation of affordable housing, which is something I think they should definitely have to do. Yeah. Um, the third and the third recommendation would be increasing the nightly fees that um, to support affordable housing. So, Currently, there is a fee. I think it's like one dollar per yeah, night a- for a, a, for a short term rental. Right. And the proposal was to raise it to like eight or ten dollars, and then using that extra revenue to also support affordable housing. Yeah. And so, my question to you is: first, do you support the recommendations? And two, just in general, what are your thoughts on? So yes and no. Okay. So I'll I'll break it down, and just for the listener, we're still working through this. It is not the final thing. I'm still exploring, visiting. So let's just start with the homestead exemption. Well, let's just, before I start with the homestead homestead exemption, short-term rental was created about four or five years ago with no regulations, you know. And and what it did, it impacted many neighborhoods in both the negative and the positive way. Thirdly, what I what I like about what they did was it allowed many of our local residents to be able to either have an income because they invested um, or have additional income so they could take care of their family in a better way. And I don't have a problem with that at all. So with all that to say, homestead exemption, what we have is, and I don't want to have legislation where we can't enforce it. So I'll use myself an example Okay, and by the way, I don't have a short-term rental at all. I only own one home in New Orleans, and that's the home that I live in. And I am not planning to STR my home out. So I just can't, I, I have a hard time believing if somebody have a homestead exemption, they live in that house, and they're going to rent out the one or two room for other people to live. I, I really struggle with that because I, I feel that to these days you just don't know you can't trust anybody I, I, I can say from personal experience yeah, a lot of a lot, a lot of, a lot of friends okay. a lot do of it. Yeah. yeah so so but i but i don't know if they're there so when you talk oh, about oh that's what you're yeah. saying you're See, saying that like how are we going to prove that yeah, people if actually, they're actually live there. there oh got it got it got it okay so that's yeah. what you okay so i see that okay got it got it yeah, got it that's okay. a fair point yeah so to me is i don't want to create legislation and we can't enforce it yeah right right but it's a starting point and also I will, I will, at the risk of pushing back and disagreeing, um, I, I get the point that you're making of like how would we actually know if they actually live there. For one, it is difficult to get a homestead exemption if you cannot prove that you live there. And I know that there's a lot of folks that argue that like, well, we need to do better with our homestead exemption um, enforcement first. But I guess my pushback would be good policy you can't not enact good policy because some people are going to break the law anyway. Correct. That's why enforcement has to be like top on my list. Okay. And then not only that, but we'll go to the whole home, which is a temporary permit. Yeah. Okay. If we have good enforcement, you know, then people should be able, especially people that live in New Orleans should be able, if they inherit a home from their parents, that they should be able to do if they want to do STR they should be able to do it, you know, and that's how I feel. So we have a, I think about 15% of the temporary permit holder, which is the whole home that are actually local residents that depend on this income to take care of their family. 
I just believe that if we have a strong enforcement, we could have a homestead exemption. We could have people who does who do temporary homes uh, for STRs. Now, in reference to the commercial, now that is one part that I am still vetting through. So I did meet with some commercial property owner. And so what they're telling me, and it's not like I'm believing, but I still have to do my investigation. What they're telling me is that when you put, you can't put, you, they can't make it to make it work with a 25% cap. Okay. So at the end of the day, my thought is that if the owner comes and said, listen, I won't be able to do this with this restriction. Then if we say, okay, we don't care. Then if we don't care, then we won't get nothing. I see your point there. I think that a lot of people, including myself, would argue that if you're a commercial investor, like say, let's call them who they are, Saunders. Saunders is yeah, the biggest yeah. one we have. Yeah. If Saunders is making less, and, less money because other folks are getting affordable housing, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Saunders' bottom line getting hit because the way it looks, the way it is right now is that Saunders is doing whatever they want and cost of living continues to rise in New Orleans. I'm currently in the market for a one-bedroom myself, and right now the prices out there are absurd. Mm-hmm. It's a, and, it's, and a lot of it is because people like Sondra have come in and bought up homes and are renting them all out. And I think, I think, I think the one thing everyone's agreeing on is that some form of regulation is a good thing, yeah. right? We need to do something about this. And I think the devil's now, always in the details. No, I agree. I'm a big supporter of trying to find and producing quality, affordable housing for people. I think at the end of the day, and I always believe that, okay, if you don't have the money and you, you got to work with Kenny because Kenny owns that property, but if Kenny doesn't agree into the term, then as the property owner, you're not going to do anything, and you could sit there on that property and both affordable housing doesn't get met because you're not producing it, you're not willing, you're not... Doing it because you believe that you can't make it bounce. I I get yeah, your point. Yeah. I just I I'm personally finding it hard to believe that a company like Sonder is just going to sit on their properties because we put a cap on them. Right. I just yeah. I find that hard to believe. And well, I well, you know, they don't own the property. They just I believe they rent it out. But, but I'm saying, yeah. but even still, like I think yeah. I think that like w- something that I think the council is rightfully thinking so is like mm-hmm. you don't want to price out the the mom and pop people yeah. who actually live in the place. But at the same time, like. Yeah, the, the Saunders of the world yeah. are going to take a hit on this, and so, it's about time they paid their so share. Kenny, so, which I am very open to it. So, there's another part I, I'm going to actually visit some Saunders uh, property because that's like, well, how big is your one bedroom? If we were going to make you cap, you know, twenty five percent, the size of your room of your apartment, is it feasible for somebody to actually live in there for six hundred, three hundred sixty five days? And so, so I'm going to go check that out. Yeah. So to me, again, if we look at a, a property and the property is designed in a way where it is not even feasible for you to live there in a one-bedroom because it's way too small, then what are we doing? That makes sense. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I think that every property we need to look at separately because of the way it is being structured already. Because most of Sonder, and I'm not defending Sonder, but they... But when I was meeting with them, and, I, and I, it just hit me like, well, how big is your one bedroom? He's like, it's less than um, 800 square feet. I mean, and there's a like, lot. And there's and the thing is, there's a lot of people living in 800. Okay. There's a lot of people that would be happy at 800 square feet. I live in 750. I mean, I mean okay. the, the apartment my, I'm about to live in. I'm going to go visit them this week. 
Right. Um, uh, because I also want to make sure that I'm not pushing policy and forcing owners to do certain thing, and then people are not even it's not comfortable for people to live in. Sure. Sure. You know, so I think that needs to be addressed as well. And I think that's fair that your perspective is coming from a family of eight. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, six children, to you and your husband, but probably listen, a pet or two. So I understand. But we have less than 2,000 square feet. No, I got you. I got you. you know? I, I, no, no, no. What I'm saying, yeah. I'm actually saying that I appreciate that you're actually, you're taking the bus mm-hmm. to work. I yeah. appreciate that yeah. you're going mm-hmm. and looking at these things yeah. because you're trying to put yourself in the perspective. And I appreciate that before you create policy, you're actually yeah. doing the research. And so if you're tuned in, you're listening to Resistance Radio. I, I, I do want to just really quickly say, because we have one big topic we need to talk about. But today, the fair share uh, 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 the policy passed. right passed, and I know that in that deal there was some uh, there was a tax on uh, on short term rentals of six point seven five, and I know that there was a little bit of uh, a push and pull as to where some of that money was going to go if it was going to go to affordable housing or how that money was going to yeah. be used. And so I was just wondering if you would just comment on that yeah, real quickly. I, I'm still meeting with the administration to get a better understanding. I know I spoke to them last week and they told me that they have some new updates for me, but I haven't been able to get with them. So I definitely don't want to make any comments because I want to make sure know. that this deal, <laughs> I want to make sure, sure that this deal goes through. Yeah. Sure. So, sure. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I think it's also the fact of making it fair between STRs and, and the lodging right. um, association. And so then, you know, so I think that's where we're at with that. Yeah. yeah. You brought up. I hope a, we get some money for the east side of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. You brought up a moment ago. And I think that, uh, you know, I think Kenny, when he did his research and as I was preparing for this as well, that we'd be remiss in not talking about energy and, and some of the issues that that that, uh, um, that surround energy. Mm-hmm. So I know we have questions. We're kind of quickly running out of time. So I just wanted to see if you wanted to maybe just kind of open the discussion to talk to us a bit about your perspective on energy and kind of how you see things as yeah. it fits as the councilwoman for district D. Yeah. So we will continue to work with energy. You know, we know that they will be building their uh, plant there. It's already under construction. We are in conversation with energy about starting up a customer service center in the E uh, as well as a training facility and so we're excited that they're very committed in making sure that the East will have a customer service center. In addition to that, we're um, picking their brains in reference to lighting in my district, just uh, how they can help us to get more lighting up. And lighting is an issue in our community. So that's where we at. And, you know, we're going to continue to work with them, make sure that they're accountable as they're building the plants, that they are hiring local hires, Um uh, for the plant and that everything is on, on task and that they're um, being transparent in reference to information and the type uh, and when the plant is up and going when we need to use it because I know that's going to be an issue as well. But we're expecting the plant to be done, I think, in 2020 or 2021 around right. there. So, uh, you know, we, I, I have been pushing back and Kenny and I push back a little bit when, uh, when it comes to this topic. So mm-hmm. the Democratic, the National Democratic Party, uh, that is, you know, even possibly even launching a platform of a Green New Deal, but certainly the Democratic Party, the, the National Party, uh, is, uh, uh, looks at extraction, uh, processes as, as being old technology and encouraging us to move toward new technology. So I just was wondering, how would you respond to, yeah. to, to and that? And I, and I, I believe we've also addressed that because they've added renewable energy as part of their package. And so Entergy 
is working to stand up more renewable package um, to make sure that there's a balance. They recognize that renewable is 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 a way of uh, for the future, and they're it's making also the now. Like yeah, we, we got to get it's, it's <laughs> it's the and now. they're doing yeah. it. I think they're doing it as the as the energy company for for New Orleans, and they're exploring different. You know, they're putting in smart meters into homes right now, and it's free of charge, um, and so where people could actually monitor the use of their uh, electricity, you know, on a daily basis. So in that way, they can uh, kind of manage it. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like so we have new leadership at Entergy. And so I, I, I really believe in David. David has been has worked in the renewable side in the past as well. I'm not sure if you guys know that. So he comes with information and with understanding and knowledge. And how do we, you know, do more renewable? And he's very committed in making sure that we are transitioning New Orleans into the next century in reference to where it's cleaner air, where it's more efficient, you know, uh, for our community. What would be a game changer for you on the, in the East? Oh, God. If you could have anything you want. Right. If if you, like, what if, would be like if, a serious game changer? If we were holding a, you know, okay. a pile of money, what would you do? Uh, this is a great question. Yeah, no, I really like Good it. Job. But I actually have two is for people to stop dumping. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. for people that I'll wake up tomorrow and everybody in the entire city of new orleans are responsible citizens that is a huge game changer that that would be great uh um we have uh, about a minute left uh i have something i wanted to show councilwoman when is that okay for me to do i wanted to uh show you this picture uh right Ah! here (laughs) can you describe for because which is tv right uh (laughs) this is a picture of councilwoman win with a bunch of whiv djs actually Mm -hmm. with uh uh, lynn drury lonnie ramos uh, liana elliott Mm -hmm. uh but of course, sitting in the center there yes. is Miss Irma, Irma Thomas. Thomas, and this is the promotion for the Rock and Rouge uh, uh, show that happened that, that Lonnie did about a year ago. Yep. But I, probably my favorite story from this, and I wanted to hear you talk about it, was what it was like singing uh, "Lean on Me" with uh, Irma Thomas. Oh my you God! Sang it, with her? I, yeah. I sure did. And so <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, uh, Thomas, Thomas actually lived in my district, so really honored to have her. You also have Ruby Bridges yeah. in your district. Yeah, but Ruby doesn't come back very often. No, we've been trying to get in touch with her. I, you know, I used <laughs> to serve. I used her. to serve on her foundation as a board member for her oh, foundation. But I haven't oh. s- seen her for a while. It was great. It was. So I'm not a singer. I can't yeah. sing for the life of me. <laughs> but you try. So Leona said the oh, same thing. Oh yeah, thing. let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. I am Can a you sing team player right now. No. <laughs> Don't do that to her. <laughs> That's all I can say. Sing. But it was just great, and, and the women are just, they were just, they got me into the mood, and so it makes it easier, and so it was really fun. The, it was unexpected, so, you know, Miss Thomas actually kind of started that, you know. Yeah, there was, a, I think we they were, were like, all lean, like, they were yeah, all we like squ- squished on it, and, and then, then there was a, yeah. somebody started to kind of like, they were leaning, leaning in, yeah. and, oh, and then, then she was starting exactly. to say, lean on me, imagine Irma Thomas starting to sing yeah, lean on me. What are you going to do, not There was two other singers, Lonnie and Lynn, started to sing with them, and then everybody else. Yeah, everybody just joined in, it was it was awesome. That's awesome. It's a great story. It's a great story. That's what I thought. We got to wrap up. So I know that we're out of time, and I just want to say thank you so much for your time, particularly hustling. Like, obviously, we're not on TV, so y'all can't see her. Council Wind is like literally here in her like workout outfit. <laughs> yes. She came Short. straight from yes. Joe thank Brown Park. You. Hustled over to WHIV. We appreciate your time. Um, I know. And I and like I said, like I said at the beginning. Um, 
I think that's something that I have a great respect for in the in the year that you've been a councilwoman so far is that you've made yourself so accessible and that is very clear that it has been a a staple of what you want to do with your time in a council. And I think when I think about local government, that's the least that we can that the that's least right. that's the least yeah. you can do. The least you can do is that like if I disagree with you, I can come and say, Hey, councilman Wynn, come we gotta talk about exactly. this. I disagree. Um, and we can and so, hash it out. And so I, I, I very much like commend you for such having Thank such you. a commitment to that, particularly since your district's huge. You got a lot of places to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just on that <laughs> note, because so you so know, corny. city government, we don't fix problems. Right. You know, we don't bring economic development. We make sure that we remove barriers, and yeah. that's what we're focusing on. We make sure we listen to people, so we can learn about their problems, so we can connect to the right department to fix that problem. My office is not actually out there picking up the trash. My office is not out there filling the pothole, but we want to appreciate all the department that has worked with us. And we still have much to do, you know, and I know it's, you know, not just us getting the beating, but these departments that are actually trying to, you just can't, you know, when you have citizens that are not not doing their job, it just creates a huge burden on the district. Councilman, thank you so much no, for your thank time. You thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you so 